Isaac Signs here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. <clears throat> Again, kind of had to uh, change my schedule around uh, because of my work schedule. But I'm um, in my conference now, so hopefully we can get some good content going here on the podcast. It's midweek, so I hope you all are having a good one so far. Basically, this week I kind of just wanted to to put a bow on the 21-22 season, talk about how the Super Bowl game went, you know, and I was talking things over um, with some some relatives and we're chatting about the game. And it just seemed like, I don't know if you all felt the same way about it, but it seemed like the game drug on a little bit, you know, I think for a while in the second half. <clears throat> Unfortunately, Odell Beckham Jr. went down with that knee injury, and so the Rams were, were kind of crippled offensively. They didn't really have much going for them. Um, and the Bengals had, like, quite a bit of, of three and outs as well. And so both teams kind of took turns, you know, per se, trying to get offense going. But I will say, you know, in the end, Matthew Stafford came through for his team and I'm pretty excited about Matthew Stafford and him getting a Super Bowl ring. I mean, it's been quite the career for him, you know, being in Detroit all those years, being around a lot of bad teams or on bad teams. Of course, he had, t- uh, he had big Megatron um, for for majority of his years in Detroit. But just his character, you know, him being from Highland Park. I'm, I was born in Dallas, obviously, and so – seeing a kid from that Dallas Metroplex get a Super Bowl ring on the biggest stage, a guy that has gutted it out all his career, that has the utmost respect from all his teammates and all his opponents, you know, a guy that has put the team in front of himself his entire career, going out on the field with, with fractured ribs, you know, broken fingers, a broken wrist, you know, back injuries, you know, and and he could have easily checked it in out of Detroit earlier in his career, but he gutted it out. He battled it out. He weathered the storm. You know, he gets the big trade to the Rams last offseason. It's plugged in with that Sean McVay offense that really hit its stride as the season progressed on. And so anytime you have a guy like Matthew Stafford that goes through the ringer, you know, per se in his career and is able to come out on top with a Super Bowl ring. I think it's always something that is is worth honoring and it's worth applauding, uh, applauding because of the the circumstances and everything that he's overcome. You know, his numbers weren't, you know, gaudy at all, you know, 26 of 40. 283 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, quarterback rating of 60.8, um, was sacked a couple of times. But his leadership, you know, his his will to win, he could have quit on his team. You know, when things weren't going well, he could have faltered. He could have crumbled on the big stage. But um, he pulled through, and they faced some adversity because the Bengals – they struck early in the third quarter on that touchdown pass to um, Tyler Boyd and or uh, T. Higgins, excuse me. And it looked like they missed that 
face mask call, offensive pass interference on Boyd as Ramsey was shoved down to the ground. It was a big play, a big spark for that Bengals team. And I think all of us who were watching the game <clears throat> kind of said to ourselves, like, oh, here come the Bengals, right? They've constantly come from behind. They're a second-half team. And so right from the jump, you know, getting that big touchdown, it, it was massive. One play, 75 yards, T. Higgins, and just like that, the Bengals got on top 17 to 13 over the Rams. And then the very next play, Matthew Stafford tries to get the ball to um, Skorinek, and it's off his hands, intercepted by Chidobe Awuzie. And just like that, the Bengals have all the momentum moving forward into that third quarter. Bengals ended up getting a field goal out of that possession. Uh, McPherson, 38-yarder. At that point, it was 20-13. to 13, And it was, uh, it was quite an interesting time for the Rams. You know, I think that's when they had their backs up against the wall. They knew that they needed to answer what Cincinnati was doing down Odell Beckham Jr. They already were playing the Super Bowl without their number one tight end, Tyler Higby. And so they are looking for a spark on the ground. Cincinnati's front seven was absolutely dominant. I mean, I have to give a ton of credit to DJ Reader, who was eating space in the middle. You had Trey Hendrickson, my guy, you know, joining, he joined me on the podcast last year, you know, big, big rooter of his and Sam Hubbard on the other end. I mean, those guys were, were pretty much just stifling that Rams rushing attack. It didn't matter who touched the ball, whether it was Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, there was just simply nowhere to run. And that's a testament to the play of that Cincinnati front seven. And again, um, Luana Rumo, the DC for the Bengals. He did a fantastic job making some adjustments in the second half, really making things difficult for that Rams offense. I was trying to get something going for a while. Cooper cup was non-existent because Cincinnati was saying, we'll double him and we'll make you try to beat us, you know, throwing a score Van Jefferson or Kendall Blanton Right, because of the lack of run game, it made the Rams one dimensional, and there was really nobody open down the field for Matthew Stafford. And so that's what resulted in the consistent pressure that the Bengals were able to get on Stafford in the pocket. And then you look at the game summary, you know, after that field goal that made it 20 13, the Rams answered back with the field goal 10 plays, 52 yards, 417 off the clock, and then. Literally reading it right off the box score. Ever since that field goal that was 2016 with the Bengals leading, it was a Bengals possession, three plays, negative three yards, punt. One minute, 30 seconds off the clock. Rams, three, play, three plays, negative three yards, 141 off the clock, punt. Next series, Bengals, three plays, five yards, two minutes, 11 seconds, punt. Next play, next series, Rams, three plays, three yards, punt, just 131 taken off the clock. Next series, Bengals, five plays, negative two yards, 236 taken off the clock, punt. Rams series, 
Three plays, six yards, a minute 31, punt. Bengals, seven plays, 24 yards, 345, punt. And then that basically took us all the way down, right, when when the Rams took over with 613 remaining on their own 21-yard line in the fourth quarter. They had just punted, what, three consecutive drives, nothing really going on. And it was at that point where Matthew Stafford answered the bell. He came up big, and he pretty much just said, screw it. You're going to try to double-team Cooper Cup? Fine. I'm still going to throw at him because he's our best receiver. I mean, the offensive player of the year for a reason. Also, you could argue that he should have been um, and in stronger contention for the MVP award. Just, it's incredible what Cooper Cup has been able to accomplish this season, breaking out the connection that he and Stafford had developed. And so Stafford just, just goes on a tear, ends up being a 15 play drive that amassed four minutes and 48 seconds, 79 yards, results in a touchdown. And that was the touchdown. That gave the Rams a Super Bowl victory. Now, down uh, right to um, Hopkins for nine yards, second and one, incomplete to Skoranek, third and one, Akers, no gain, and here was another big play. Fourth and one, five minutes on the clock. You're at the your own 30-yard line. Essentially, that could have really that could have really been the game, even though the Rams still had their timeouts. But McVay dials up a Cooper Cup right in run, end around for seven yards and a first down. Jesse Bates and Eli Apple are there to get him down to the turf. The Rams take over downs, first and 10 at their own 37 yard line. About end of rounds, guys. They're very risky plays. If your defense gets a read or sniffs it out, you have a safety playing in the box like Jesse Bates or even um, Von Bell. If one of those guys or, or their linebacker, Logan Wilson, standout, who, by the way, put together a sensational performance, you know, all the respect to him. It just took one of those guys to read what was happening and blow up Cooper Cup in the backfield. And it's a turnover on downs. However, the Bengals defense did not react as quickly as they needed to on that end around. And Cooper Cup takes it for seven yards, picks up a pivotal first down. And that's pretty much what set up that touchdown. You know, without that play, the Bengals take over deep in LA territory. The way Burrow can sometimes operate in the clutch, the Rams maybe never get the ball again, and the Bengals are Super Bowl champions. So that set up that first and 10 at the LA 37. Um, staff, once again, trying to get the pass game going, couldn't quite get Cam Akers over the middle. Then once again, on second and 10 with 4.30 left, he goes to Cooper Cup for eight yards, sets up a third and short, no huddle. Stafford ends up going short to Hopkins for six yards for another first down. At that point, they're pretty much at midfield at the Cincinnati 49-yard line. 3.41 left to go. And again, you have to give 
that Bengals defense a lot of credit. The linebackers were playing sideline to sideline. Stafford, once again, tried to get to Cam Akers. Minimal gain, three yards, tackled by Von Bell and Sam Hubbard. Second and seven. Then this was another headline play to Cooper Cup, 22 yards. It was a pass over the middle. Uh, yards after catch, Master Cooper Cup. You know how he's very savvy out in space, catches that one. Makes a couple of Bengals defenders miss. Trunk play right there for the Rams. Now, one point was that botched PAT where Johnny Hecker, who's been one of the best punters all season, he mishandled the snap in the first quarter, and that PAT attempt was no good. And had that PAT been good, the Rams are actually leading the game 21-20, to 20, and they really would not have needed to get into the end zone, right? In fact, no, they would have had, it would have been a tie ball game because they were at 16, correct? And so if they would have had that PAT, it would have changed things because they would have just needed a field goal. They would have had 17 with that PAT. They would have just needed a field goal to tie it. They wouldn't have had that pressure to score a touchdown because at the time they were trading by four with that missed PAT. And so that kind of came in. It peaked its its head out late into the game. So after that 22-yard um, pass to Cooper Cup over the middle, set up first and 10 for the Rams at the Cincinnati 24-yard line with 234 left. And with that, you know, you, you take a look. It was a Stafford pass once again on first down to Cooper Cup for eight yards. Then it was Cam Akers run up the middle for eight yards. Set up a second and two at the Cincinnati 16-yard line. That took us down to the two-minute warning. Then first and goal at the Cincinnati 8-yard line. Stafford tries to go to Van Jefferson. It's not there. Goes to Henderson. It's not there. Now we're at third and goal. And this is when... The Rams start to sweat a little bit because thanks to that PAT, they need to score a touchdown. Intensity's high. People at SoFi Stadium are on their feet. And this was the moment that Matthew Stafford had to come through for the Los Angeles Rams. And so while it is a controversial call, you know, some people don't believe that it was the right call, but this is where Cup, um, Stafford rifled the pass to Cooper Cup over the middle. Logan Wilson, Daniels linebacker, was in coverage. They call him for defensive holding. It was enforced at the Cincinnati 8, and this was on third and goal. And so because it was at third and goal, it set up the Rams at the Cincinnati 4-yard line goal once. Logan Wilson can argue that there was not enough all that defensive holding on Wilson but the officials and that's because they let both teams play for the most part I mean they weren't dictating the game like some officials have in playoff games and I found it pretty refreshing being able to watch a game from start all the way almost to finish without the officials constantly dominating the game with officials and flags and holding penalties. And so that, I think that's also a testament to the Bengals and the Rams. You know, they played some clean football on all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. 
And so they end up calling that holding on Wilson, first and goal at the Cincinnati four-yard line. And then this is when Stafford, for the like fifth time that drive, goes to Cooper Cup. It's a touchdown for four yards, but the touchdown was nullified because of a holding penalty on Rob Havenstein, their starting right tackle. And then it was enforced because Von Bell was actually flagged for unnecessary roughness on that same play. So offsetting penalties. And so that was another big break the Rams got because if Von Bell doesn't commit that unnecessary roughness penalty, you're setting that Rams offense back 10 yards. You're, it's, at that point, it's going to be a first and goal from the Cincinnati 14-yard line. And who knows what the outcome would have been in that circumstance. But instead, offsetting, offsetting penalties, it's another first and goal from the four-yard line. Stafford, once again, tries to go to Cooper Cup. This time, it's a defensive pass interference on Eli, on Eli Apple, who is probably one of the most scrutinized players in the NFL right now. I mean, after the Super Bowl, if you have any social media, looking at, at Facebook, at Twitter, you had a lot of NFL players going off on Eli Apple. You had McCole Hardman. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas getting in on the fun, his former teammate in New Orleans. And again, this was warranted because I think Eli Apple a couple weeks ago went on a tirade on Twitter, pretty much trashed the Giants and their fan base, trashed the Saints and their fan base, basically burning bridges um, all along the way, talked some mess to the Chiefs after that AFC title game. And so you bet your bottom dollar Nico Hardman, uh, Tyreek Hill, all those guys, they were chomping at the bit to get back at Eli Apple for all the words he shared. And so that was a big pass interference. Now, that was a call that was, I guess, needed to be made. It was a pretty obvious penalty. So it is enforced once again, no play from the four-yard line all the way up to the one-yard line. It's first and goal for the Rams. 135 left to go. And uh, Sean McVay dials up that quarterback sneak for Stafford up the middle. No gain. Jermaine Pratt, Sam Hubbard stuffed them up really well. Timeout called by the Bengals. It was their first one at 129. Second and goal from the one. And that is the game-winning touchdown. Matthew Stafford took the snap, <clears throat> threw it up to Cooper Cup in the end zone, and touchdown. Rams get the lead with 125 to go. Extra point is good. <clears throat> 23-20. But the Bengals, they had enough time with 125 to have one last series. Five plays, 26 yards, 46 seconds. First and 10 on the 25. Burrow connects short left to Jamar Chase. And I believe... Uh, Jalen Ramsey fell down, and so Jamar Chase gets behind the coverage, takes it up the left sideline, <clears throat> and from that point, I mean, they're first and 10 at their own 42-yard line, still plenty of time on the clock, 119 to go, and Burrow then goes to Tyler Boyd, nine yards up the middle, and just like that, two plays later, the Bengals offense, they're, they're at the Los Angeles Rams 49-yard line, and so... In the blink of an eye, Rams fans and the Rams defense looking a little discombobulated. They're thinking, shoot, like, I mean, McPherson has been on the money 
all season long, all playoffs long. And so at that point, as a fan, I thought we were maybe heading for overtime, right? And and look, at least have a chance to tie it up. After that nine-yard play to uh, Tyler Boyd, it's then second and one at the Rams' 49-yard line, 54 seconds at the snap. Burrow ends up going deep right, throws it out of bounds, which then brings up a pivotal third and one play. Now, there are some Bengals fans that wonder why Joe Mixon, RB1, was not on the field for that third and one play. And I think Zach Taylor had utilized Samaj P. Ryan as his third down back pretty much all season long, regardless of Joe Mixon and his effectiveness as a pass catching back out of the backfield. So it was P. P. Ryan once again. And they obviously don't get too creative with it. They end up running a run play. They run P. Ryan right tackle. However, he goes absolutely nowhere. Greg Gaines, Aaron Donald are right there for no gain. And it then moves it to fourth and one. 43 seconds. Cincinnati uses their second timeout to discuss their fourth and one play. And I guess this is what makes that lost sting for Cincinnati was that they're at a third and fourth and one and they couldn't convert. And so on that fourth down play, uh, shotgun formation, and it was really cool because I saw on the NFL Showtime, they got the audio of Sean McVay. When he saw Burrow line up in shotgun, he said, man, Aaron Donald's going to make a play. I mean, he's going to get the win for us. He's going to secure it. He's hungry. We're close, under a minute left until a Super Bowl victory. And boy, was he right. And I think it doesn't take uh, rocket science to predict the best player on defense in the entire league to make a play when he's needed the most. And sure enough, he beats Quentin Spain up the middle, and he gets to Joe Burrow. Burrow just gets the pass off. It's incomplete short right to Samaj P. Ryan, who was also in on fourth down. So Mixon was not on the field for third and fourth and one, which was pretty frustrating for some Bengals fans. And with reason, I mean, Mixon, he didn't have anything crazy going on, but he was in a good rhythm and he was finding some success here and there throughout the course of the game. Burrow ends up getting taken down by Donald. He's only able to get one last desperation shovel pass. It nearly hit Samaj Pirine, you know, in the numbers. That was pretty close to being caught for that first down conversion. Instead, it's not. And the Rams take over with 43 seconds or 39 seconds, and they win a Super Bowl in their home stadium. You know, what a moment for that team, for the fan base. You know, Stan Kroenke, it was a happy man. You know, pretty much. Everything working out according to his plan, right? Win the Super Bowl in your home stadium. They do share it with the Chargers. But that put a bow on it. And you have to give a ton of credit to Aaron Donald. Even though he didn't win the Super Bowl MVP, they gave it to Cooper Cup, who deservedly so. You know, two touchdown receptions was huge on that fourth and one when he ran for seven yards in a first. But Aaron Donald, you could just see it. You know, even from that NFC Championship game, when they beat the Niners, when he was like, it's time for me to get my ring. You know, that's a guy that was on a mission. And everybody around him on that defense fed off his energy. And it ended up paying dividends for that Rams defense that put through an incredible performance despite faltering on that opening 
third quarter play, Ramsey falls, no offensive pass interference calls, and just like that, the Rams are Super Bowl champs, 23-20. They get to celebrate. You know, this week I know they have their Super Bowl parade coming up. And the Bengals, though, quite a painful way to lose. You know, uh, an, an outstanding journey. They were the true underdogs of the NFL every single week. They they shocked the world. You know, both teams were four seeds. But you kind of just got the feeling that the Rams, even though they were a four seed, everybody knew that they had gotten all in, you know, acquiring Von Miller, signed Odell Beckham Jr., acquired Matt Stafford, Sony Michelle. I mean, they pretty much went all in for this championship. And there's no doubt that the talent they had on their roster, you know, clearly played, played a factor in them getting there. And so I think the expectation was, while there were quite a bit of people that predicted the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I had picked the Rams 37-31. I just knew that even though Cincinnati had been playing very well in their dangerous football team and that defense had been that schemed up plays for his defense, made some adjustments, really going back to that Kansas City game when they just were lights out, held, held Kansas City to just a field goal in that entire second half in overtime, and they fell just short. And I know that that probably is very painful for a fan base and for the team getting that far. But I will say this, Cincinnati has a bright future ahead of them. They're a young team with a, a young quarterback, and I'm not going to say they're going to be back in the Super Bowl because nothing is ever guaranteed, and it's been proven that it's just – a very hard task to get there again, but I do believe that they do have um, the capability to do so. So it was quite the eventful Super Bowl. You know, I enjoyed watching it and uh, put a bow in the 2022 season.